0: Post your free job on linkedin.com recommend today. G&J is brought to you by the Next Generation 10G Network. Only from Xfinity, the Giannato and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM ESPN.
1: Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code MEMPHIS, M-E-M-P-H-I-S, and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and the the best daily promotions in the business. With BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. BetMGM.com for T's and C's, 21 or older to wager, Tennessee only, new customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. For problem gambling sport, call the Tennessee Red Line. 1-800-889-9789. David Cobb covers college football and basketball for CBS Sports on Twitter, at David W. Cobb. Cobb, are you still credentialed to cover USC football?
2: <laughs> well, this is my last week on the West Coast. Did you get suspended? Uh, no, but... Uh... I mean, shoot, maybe I should go over there and, even, like, raise a stink or something. Maybe There might not be anybody in the press box, like, you know, the rest of the season. The way that all the u s c b writers are talking, it's like they're going to boycott covering the program since that one reporter got suspended. I
1: bet they don't. <laughs> I
2: bet they don't, yeah.
0: You're right. Um, what do you think? We, got, we, we had a pretty bland week of college football last oh, weekend. No, 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 let's check in. Cobb, how was the group chat? No. <laughs>
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, Yeah, so I was I was live blogging the uh, Tennessee Florida game, and by the time I got done with all that, yeah, pull up the group chat. <laughs>
0: yeah, we gotta know. Yeah, well, yeah, that's gotta be a good. Is that and, a good uh, feeling? A bad? Yeah, like, no, like, did you take well,
1: like? I gotta imagine as soon as you push publish, you first thing you just grab the phone. Got to see what it takes. What are, what are people <laughs> saying about this Tennessee game?
2: Well, one one of my good buddies said so it's a group of us who all came up together doing sports writing at UT. Only a few of us are still in it. And those who are not still in it have just reverted to, like, total fan mode, you know. And uh, the, the one guy, uh, he left the chat in the middle of the game. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> uh, he was so mad. And, uh, yeah, it's not been good. It's not been good at all because Tennessee played horrific football, really, in every phase of the game, letting the floor to dictate the entire first half offensively and then failing to – ever really put it into a uh, uh, high gear in the second half when they tra- trailed by three possessions. So uh, really not much at all to be optimistic about coming out of that game if you're Tennessee.
1: Uh, so that. that the the replay was on uh, the Mothership CBS Sports Network last night. I just love that one game. I love that Tennessee the, has a like
2: type the,
0: of fan base that, like, it's just like Michigan would be the same way, like losing a no. game like that. Oh,
1: I do love your friend just going yeah. to live wish like going to live in the woods because he wished to live like just <laughs> uh-huh. go where go where there's nowhere to see yeah.
2: so yeah the, the, it was it was sad the replay was on
1: last night and the thing that really uh, really stood out to me you were watching film last night oh yeah mm. uh the penalties were the problem mm-hmm. like how many drives I felt like every time that Tennessee was well, and, and the the lineman getting hurt like let's also be real like the two guys getting hurt was – they couldn't block the rest of the night. But it felt like every time Tennessee – because Florida didn't exactly put that thing away. Like Florida allowed Tennessee to hang in it, but the pre like all the things that we're not really used to seeing, that was what I thought was really the difference.
2: Well, I tallied it up, and I think eight of the ten penalties against Tennessee were against the offensive line. Uh, I might have thrown in the uh, illegal chop block on the tight end into that category uh, close enough. Well, you get the picture here. These offensive penalties, the false starts, like you mentioned, also the holdings, also the uh, the illegal block. That was, it was a questionable call, no doubt. Tennessee didn't get a great whistle in this game because there was also the play where they, they had the, the chains moving, they were in rhythm, they were approaching the red zone, and then the uh, the referee accidentally kicked the football, which allowed yeah, that was a tough scene to, to substitute. But those things don't make up for a two-possession uh, ball game, and they don't they don't excuse you at all for falling behind twenty six to seven against Graham Mertz. I mean, it, give me a break. So, uh, yeah, Tennessee has a has a rightful case to be frustrated with the officiating, but so many of those penalties were obvious miscues on behalf of that offensive line. And uh, it just felt like Milton could never get him in rhythm. So I know he's not making the wrong decision. I know, like, even his pick was a result of the fact that he was hit as he threw. Yeah. Uh, but he's not necessarily uh, getting the most out of this offense uh, really at all in the way that Hendon Hooker could because they used to get into rhythm, right? And then that rhythm would lead to those downfield shots. And uh, with Milton, that quarterback, there is no rhythm, and the downfield shots just haven't been there.
0: So, are you? Have you changed? Has this loss completely changed your thought process on what this team's capable of this season? Or are you still hope? You know, do you still think this is a team capable of? You know, maybe not. You know, they got Alabama, Georgia still winning one of those games. You know, being the type of team some people dreamed they would be.
2: Well, the only the only thing I think that gives you any hope in that sense now, if you're a Tennessee fan, has got to be how down the rest of the league looks. Yeah. So, Alabama all of a sudden going to Bryant-Denny doesn't seem as insurmountable of a task as it probably did a few months ago. Uh, Georgia even, coming to Neyland, uh, if it's Georgia of last year or Georgia of 2021, no shot whatsoever. But even Georgia has looked susceptible and needed a second-half rally to beat South Carolina. So you look around the league, nobody's impressed you. So it doesn't necessarily feel like Tennessee's going to be a prohibitive underdog in any game that it plays for the rest of this season. It might be a double-digit underdog at home against Georgia. But, uh, no, so in that sense, I don't think it really does. I still think Tennessee could get to uh, that Vegas win total set at 9.5. I mean, they could still flirt with that. They could still flirt with 9, 10 wins. But in all likelihood, based off what we've seen from this team uh, so far, I I think we're looking at more like a a 7- or an 8-win team.
1: Do you have a read on the Ole Miss-Alabama game?
2: Yeah, it's Ole Miss straight up. That's my read.
1: <sighs> I don't know. I've, I, there's like a thousand ways I can see this game going. I'm not I'm not. not going to prematurely put a stake in Nick Saban. So this would be, I think if I did the math in my head right, have they, have since 07, have they lost twice at home in the same year? Because, like, the year they lost three games, they lost at South Carolina, at LSU, and then they lost uh, at home to Cam on the, the Cam back.
2: Last... No, I can almost say, I can say almost unequivocally that they've not lost two at home. And then, that, are that we first. really
1: going to say that they're going to lose two games at home in September?
2: This isn't Alabama, though. This isn't Nick Saban's Alabama. This is closer to 07 Nick Saban Alabama than anything that we've seen in the year since. I really believe that. This team is not even close, not even close to what we would consider some of the uh, underperforming Alabama teams of the last decade. I mean, guys, they almost, like, they had to, Use a late touchdown to win on the road against a South Florida team that had four total victories over the prior three seasons. I mean, yeah, but
0: don't you think they looked like significant? I know they lost to Texas with Milrow as the quarterback. They look, even though he's got his flaws, obviously, they look like a significantly more cohesive offense with him as the quarterback. The first two games, and if you combine that with their defense, I'm not saying they're you know they very clearly doesn't feel like you're right. They're typical Alabama. But like, do you really think they're going to be like worse than nine and three this year?
2: I think it's possible. I think I think there's a chance that Alabama is an eight and four team this year. In fact, if, you know, if I were putting the, the odds on it right now as a as a bookie or something, I would go eight and a half uh, on the on the win total. They've already got one loss, and, and nothing comes easy in this league, even though the league stinks this year. So, uh, yeah. So the, the the problem with with Milrow is that the running game is not the anchor that they thought it was going to be at Alabama this season. We heard all the hype about the offensive line this offseason. It felt like Nick Saban, with the hires he made, was trying to go back in time and play some bully ball. But the offensive line hasn't been good enough for them to, you know, sort of ground teams into submission uh, with the run game. And when you don't have a quarterback who you're totally confident in, uh, I think that really uh, magnifies the issues in the run game. So I just don't know what this team turns to offensively aside from a improv- improvising you know Jalen Milrose scramble uh when it needs to pick up a first down in, in a uh, in a key situation
1: so the last time I I, I double checked the last time they lost twice at home the same year was the 07 year
0: so this yeah. will be the sign this will be the sign if they lose this game that means so, that we truly could be on an 07 type of year the
1: problem that I have with this game is I think you can make this statement definitively Olmus has far and away the best quarterback. And really the only other time I can remember that happening was when Chad Kelly went up against they started Cooper Bateman. That year was very the 2015 years. If you're going to spin zone it for Alabama, that's the spin zone. That they they struggled getting the quarterback right and then once they they committed to Coker in the second half of that game and they they went on to win every game after that. I think the real problem though is does Alabama have the better players at every other position? Because Judkins, I think, is hurt. Like, that's the other thing. I, I don't know. You could tell me Ole Miss went straight up. You could tell me that Alabama beats them like the – remember the get-your-popcorn-ready game with Kiffin mm-hmm. when they had mm-hmm. Corral? You could tell me the game, like, turns into that.
2: I, I Bryce got, Young was on that team, though. You know, I, I, and I look at Ole Miss, and I see the, the injury situation, and if you're somebody who's interested in lines and all that – like, pay close attention to what comes out of Ole Miss over these next couple days because uh, Zachary Franklin, the receiver from UTSA, still has not played this year. He could be a game changer. Uh Priestcorn, the Memphis transfer at tight end, still has not played this year. I think but he's going to play this week. Yeah, they, apparently they both practice. Like, I think Kiffin acknowledged that publicly uh, within the last couple days. Trey today. Harris.
1: Trey Harris was at practice. I did not get the sense though that that was trending towards like if they have if they have Trey Harris, pre and uh, Franklin, I agree with you. I think that that team could actually – that team could score enough to where I don't know if Alabama could keep up.
2: And how about the, the the Golding element of this too? Because it's obviously always entertaining when Kiffin plays former boss Nick Saban. He's a more high-profile uh, coach. But there's an element of revenge here for Pete Golding. Would he not love anything more than to go out there and hold Alabama to 14 points? In Bryant Denny, right with a, a new team in the SEC West, I think you want
1: to you want to get your tin hat on. Yeah. So the the Kiffin comment about T Rob calling the defense Treverius Robinson rather than Kevin Steele, I think that was Kiffin taking up for his boy, or perhaps even worse. What if uh, what if Golding still has some friends on the staff that think he might have gotten a raw deal and. Maybe reached out to Golding said, "Get a load of this." Guess who called our defense this week?
2: Oh yeah, I, and I, I don't doubt that there's some back channel communications going on there, and and all that sort of combines to like cast a little bit of a doubt over where Alabama is at right now. Not just in terms of the quarterback, not just in terms of uh, the the talent, and can they figure it out? It's like it feels like there's some stuff going on behind the scenes there, where maybe all these years of, of staff attrition, year after year after year are starting to take their toll a little bit on that Alabama culture at a time when you see other programs nationally really elevating themselves to compete and surpass them.
1: How much does that Clemson line stink to you with Florida State?
2: I don't know which side to take on it though because I think
1: like, they're they- begging you to take Florida State, right? Look, it's the number 4 team. You only have to give up a field goal. Doesn't that like to me like that's what they're begging you to do?
2: You know, but I flash back to the Duke loss for Clemson and Dabo Sweeney was right in the sense that they ran for 200 yards and threw for 200 yards in that game and lost for like the first time in program history. And so if they don't turn the ball over 17 times in that season opener and beat Duke, we're looking at this thing totally different. Uh, So with Death Valley, I just don't feel like Clemson rolls over and plays dead against a, a Florida state team that almost lost at BC.
0: All right. Um, what do you make of this Ohio State Notre Dame game? This is the the two highest ranked teams. This is one you know everyone knew was going to be a huge game when this, you know when it was put on the schedule, and it is a huge game. What do you what do you make of that one?
2: Yeah, it's it's crazy that it might be the second biggest game of the weekend when you've got two of the all time winningest programs, both ranked in the top ten, both undefeated. And I'll bet when we get the ratings next week, uh, Colorado and Oregon ends up uh, outdoing it uh, by by a a mill or two. But still a a huge game because it's kind of a chance for Kyle McCord to put his stamp on this Ohio State offense and prove that, hey, uh, we lost C.J. Stroud, but we're still elite. And they've made strides. He and Marvin Harrison Jr. have over the last couple weeks. Uh, But but, uh, Notre Dame looks so much better uh, than it did – for most of last season, Sam Hartman, the upgrade at quarterback, there has been so obvious and tremendous and impactful that it's also going to be a, a huge test for Jim Knowles, the, the Ohio State defensive coordinator. Like they were marginally better on defense last season in his first year, but it's year two. It's time, you know, for that Ohio State defense to take the big step here, and this is this is kind of their chance to show whether or not you know they're ready for that. All
1: right, so I'm on I'm on your website, y'all. There's a headline: mm-hmm. Miami tight end Cam McCormick petitioning ACC for a ninth year of eligibility. Nice, guys. What
0: are we doing here? Nine? Nine? Let's say that, that 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 even takes the the Tommy Boy joke to like another extreme. You know, it's like a lot of a lot of people go to college for seven years. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're called, called doctors. doctors. <laughs> it's like, what is, what's yeah, a nine year?
2: DeAndre Williams is out here saying, "Hmm, well, let me look into this." I mean, in Uh-oh, fairness, there. DeAndre's only asking yeah, DeAndre, for five years.
0: Yeah, like DeAndre,
1: uh, this ain't nine. He's just he's just asking for one of those five years to not count.
2: Yeah, amazing. Yeah, if I've had nine years of college eligibility, I'd I'd be a, a very recent graduate. How I did guess. he even
0: that's, get eight? Guys, I, well, here's the question: How did he even get that's, eight? That's two years past Van
2: Wilder. Well, you know, you know, you got the COVID year and a medical red shirt and a uh, and a out transfer and then a second medical red shirt and you know nine
0: years all right he's probably done more paperwork than playing like honestly to get nine years of eligibility
1: okay so it says the 25 year old started his college career at oregon and spent seven seasons with the ducks program that (laughs) like that alone should be like hey buddy you're done playing college football like
0: (laughs) But how many years so has he actually like had a big role in
2: any season? Uh... No, I, I don't think so, but he he does play. He's never okay. been like an all-conference performer, but uh, he does play I mean shoot, if you're getting a little bit of he played all 13 United... game, he played all 13
1: games for the first time in his career last year. Well, he also, he's, he's, he's he also had to a score in that
0: Ohio State game. Oh, uh, he's going, guys! He's going for the record, though. That's what he's doing. He's currently tied with Northern well, Illinois, of- Kyle Pugh, for the longest college football tenure in FBS history. <laughs> no player has ever been granted nine seasons eligibility. This is for a record, Jeffrey. That's why he's doing it. Well,
1: the reason why it's a record is because we don't let you play for more than five years. And yeah. it, like extend. Oh, so
0: here's what it is. So here's what it is. He redshirted. His true freshman season at Oregon, then played a lot as the sec his second year. Got hurt. Then third year got hurt. Required multiple surgeries. He didn't play for three years because of the injury. Then he returned last year. So it's only his. It's only going to be his. It really, truly is only going to be his like fourth year playing football. It's just he he took three years off, recovering from multiple injuries.
2: Yeah, it sounds multiple to me like- surgeries. The, uh, the action he should be pursuing is a medical malpractice. Lawsuit. Yeah,
0: like something happened in his recovery, and that's why. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with this. But let him set his record.
1: <sighs> let him set his record. No, I'm sorry. Like, nine years is too much. Like You're, you're, you're done. <laughs> the other thing, though, is why is he petitioning I, the I'm ACC? About- why is he not petitioning the NCAA? Because they're the ones that do eligibility, right?
2: Yeah, who knows? Uh, it's Beyond bizarre.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's a good uh, question. Also, does this Memphis-Missouri line stink to you? It stinks to me in the same way that Missouri... Like, last week you're like, oh, that's free money with K-State. I'm doing the opposite with Missouri this time. It's like, I took Missouri last week because I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. This makes me want Memphis, and my brain says I can't take Memphis here.
2: I mean, look, this Missouri team, for all the glory it's received for the... 61-yard field goal, which, by the way, Eli Drinkwitz almost blew that situation. No, 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 Cobb, that was big brain stuff.
0: Yeah,
2: he's better. <laughs> well,
1: he, we saw, we saw that ne- was it. Nevis, how do you say it? The- Nevis. Nevis. He missed like a 22-yarder last year to beat Auburn. 56 wasn't enough. Got to back him up to 61. Get all the chaos that prevented it. Felt like it. There was so much chaos it prevented Kansas State from calling a timeout to ice him. Like. That was big brain stuff. <laughs> Calling the thinking, huddling your entire team on the sideline after a spike, acting like it was a timeout. That was brilliant. Yeah, I don't know what uh, that was,
0: uh, but it was, was. It was
1: like you're watching it. You're like, he's gonna get fired on the field. Like they're, if they lose this
2: game, they're literally just gonna fire him tonight. Like that was so embarrassing. But you got to remember, this is the same Missouri team that almost lost to MTSU in week two, played way too close of a game against a very average Conference USA team. So which Missouri do we get? Do we get the team that they can beat a top-15 reigning Big 12 champion, or do we get the Missouri that uh, barely squeaks out victories against a Conference USA team? Well, it feels, it feels like players. it's
0: less likely it's going to be this past week's team if Brady Cook's not playing.
2: That's a great point. That's part of this line as well, because I don't think Brady Cook's a great quarterback and I know they don't have much behind him, so uh, you're looking at Sam Horn in all likelihood, who's a redshirt freshman. He
1: wears 21. Yeah. I can't get behind that. Like, be a, be a professional. <laughs> wear wear a quarterback number. <laughs> you can wear two. You can wear one. You can't wear 21.
2: Jared Lorenzen was a 20-something back in the day, wasn't he?
1: Fat guy. There's a there's an exception for lefty fat guys like okay. the, the, that. Jared Lorenzen was beyond a quarterback. That was a, spe- believe, believe a Te- transcendent athlete. Tevin Carter on Memphis. Yeah, I he, think does. he does too. Shea he's... Patterson wore 20, and I said it even <laughs> then. I go, it's stupid. Like, <laughs> like this is dumb. Uh, he wore it for his grandfather. It's like, he didn't wear two, 20 in high school. Like, <laughs> wear a quarterback number. Uh, there's, what is it? I feel like I'm okay with random numbers. If you're not gonna wear a quarterback number, I can't trust you because you're not paying attention to the details. How do I know that you're gonna be watching film and that you're gonna be prepped in the game? You're not even starting with the most basic thing is look good, feel good, play good. Uh, Looks like Sky Morey wears twenty four. I I'm sorry, I can't I can't get down with that. He's a receiver wearing twenty four. Do you think do you, what what chance
0: do you give Memphis in this one?
2: Uh I didn't love the way they played against Navy. <laughs> really? <laughs> I, I like what makes you that say they, that? <laughs> I like the fact that they won the game, but I didn't like the journey to get there. It, it did not inspire confidence. I mean, look, I, I wish they they were playing this game for 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 everything in me. Play this game in Memphis. Why, like y'all tell me. Remind me. The buyout.
1: The was the was the, all, the
0: contract was written up in like 2010. It was agreed to like years ago, and it only included a buyout of two hundred thousand dollars. And so last year, Missouri, looking at its schedule, I'm sure Eli Drinkwitz was like, "Why the hell am I?" You know, I'm, not, yeah. I was, I'm in a contract. I saw what happened to Leach when he went there. Yeah, I'm playing. Yeah. You know, why the hell are we going to that? And then they looked into it, and it's like, what's $200,000 to an SEC school like Missouri? And so, Mem- but Memphis, you know, that would have put Memphis in a rough spot a year out. You know, this was supposed to be a big game. So to basically, to salvage it, Memphis agreed to. They had no
1: real. They, had no, they were going to lose was, the, the option was. This was the compromise was get a million bucks and go play in St. St. Louis, Louis versus like having to find Lose, another buy game get $200,000
0: yeah. and probably pay more than that to go find a buy game at the last minute and your yeah. schedule is significantly downgraded. Like so this well, was this was the best of a bad situation for Memphis unfortunately.
2: Fair 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 enough. Here's what I want to see in this game. I want to see if Memphis shows me enough to, to make me believe they can compete in the AAC because I know you're after the Navy game you're like no they can't compete in the AAC. But nobody in the AAC is really impressing me all that much. I mean, Tulane has injury issues. Michael Pratt's been out. Right? Uh, Florida Atlantic, I thought, would pop year one under Tom Herman. They have not. UTSA has been very disappointing to this point. They've got a shot in Knoxville this weekend to do something crazy. Uh, Jeff,
1: Jeff-, Jeff Traylor said after the game, like, there's got to be a better way to make a living. Like, is that, that's what you want to hear from your coach. You know, like, what else could I be doing for money?
2: Dude should have jumped after last year. They had a storybook season. Now he's kind of, kind of trapped there. Uh, so, but the AAC isn't isn't really impressing me to this point. I feel like Memphis still has a chance to compete in this league. And if you go out there and play a close game against a power five team, uh, then then I think that sort of validates your ability to uh, make some noise in the AAC. All
1: right. Lastly, is Arkansas live in this game against LSU?
2: I I like LSU. I mean, it's a heavy number. I mean, it's like it's like seventeen almost, and a half,
1: eighteen, something like that.
2: Yeah, uh, I I don't trust Arkansas. Their receiving core it, to me is is a is a problem. Uh, BYU. I mean, they had BYU on the ropes and at home and, and couldn't close it out. And after what LSU did to Mississippi State, yikes, man. I I don't like I don't like the the Hogs in Death Valley in this spot.
1: All right, buddy, we appreciate it. Thanks, Dave.
2: No problem. Thanks, guys.
1: David Cobb of CBS Sports. <sighs> I watched a lot of that BYU game. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm going to pay the price for this. I kind of like Arkansas on this spot. So Arkansas, mm. if you look at college football data's postgame win expectancy, Arkansas was like a 96. If that game was played out down-to-down, like they had a 96% chance of winning, turnovers got them. And then on top of that, BYU, like, BYU got into their bag on like explosive trick plays and whatnot. They hit everything.
0: By the way, I didn't realize this. Local, t- we got some footage of Brady Cook at practice yesterday. <clears throat> Bulky brace. Taking, got some shots of him taking air snaps, doing like fake RPOs. Could only really, didn't look ginger. Look
1: ginger. I'm, I can tell you this. I watched every snap of that on Saturday. Looked ginger. Yeah. The cool. only thing is like who looked worse like him or walk, uh, uh, Will Howard. Like, look at this brace. Look at that brace. That's not a, by the way, that ain't a bone bruise. Yeah. You're not bracing that bad boy up like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. uh, Yeah. (laughs) That's a things. thing.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours